Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Tablework, How New Plays Get Made. My name is Amber Bradshaw, and I am a new play dramaturg, arts administrator, and educator. On this podcast, I chat with theater makers about the art of new play dramaturgy. Our mission is to demystify the process of creation and collaboration, share tools to better the work, and record what we discover. This podcast is brought to you by Working Title Playwrights, a new play incubator and service organization based in Atlanta, Georgia, in which I serve as the managing artistic director. For more about WTP, check out www.workingtitleplaywrights.com. And so I just want to encourage uh, new um, play dramaturgs to think outside of the box about the types of contributions that we can make to our, our regions, to our country, to the regional theater system, to our educational system, to the mm-hmm. development of the pipeline. I think we have much to give, right, mm-hmm. in those areas. It's not just about placing a dramaturg with uh, a work or a playwright. There are many, I mean, this podcast is a prime example of that kind of advocacy work that is done in a lot of different modalities and a lot of different mediums. I'd like to start by introducing y'all to our guest today, Dr. Angela Farr-Schiller. Angela is an Emmy award-winning director, a multi-award winning dramaturg, and the first black female associate professor of theater at the Boston Conservatory at the Berkeley School of Music. Formerly serving as the Director of Arts Education at the four-time Southeast Emmy Award-winning ArtsBridge Foundation for the Cobb Energy Performing Arts Center in Atlanta, her leadership is featured in American Theatre Magazine. As a New Works production and community engagement dramaturg, she has worked on numerous productions. Most recently, Angela served as the production dramaturg at Oregon Shakespeare Festival's West Coast premiere of Dominique Morisot's Confederates, directed by Nataki Garrett. Additionally, she works as a dramaturg in residence with working title playwrights. As a director, her production of Dreamgirls was nominated for six San Francisco Theater Bay Area Awards, including Outstanding Direction of a Musical and Outstanding Production of a Musical. And her production of In the Red and Brown Water won an Outstanding Director Award from the Kennedy Center College Theater Festival. Her televised production of the Georgia High School Musical Theater Awards won a Southeast Emmy Award. As a scholar, Angela has presented her research on the intersections of race and performance at various national and international conferences, including Performance Studies International, the American Study for Theater Research, Association of Theater and Higher Education, and the International Society for the Oral Literatures of Africa. Her most recent published book projects are the Methuen Drama Book of Trans Plays, nominated for a National Lambda Literary Award, and Troubling Traditions, Canonicity, Theater, and Performance in the U.S., with a forthcoming article featured in the international journal Modern Drama entitled Touching Back While Black, Self-Defense and the Politics of Black U.S. Citizenship in Paul Green's In Abraham's Bosom. Ultimately, her body of work is rooted in revealing the ways that performance can be utilized as a meaningful tool for critical thinking, social justice, and the development of empathy and compassion for the human experience. Angela, it's an honor to have you here today. So folks, Angela and I met in 2007, 17, shortly after I started running Working Title Playwrights. I hired her to dramaturg one of the Ethel Wilson labs for a brilliant playwright of ours at the time. It was the beginning of many labs for us, and I'm super excited to be having this conversation with one of my favorite humans and collaborators. 
like to start by doing some rapid fire definitions of a new play dramaturg. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> so I'll throw one out and then you throw one out. Okay. okay. A midwife. An artist. A mind melder. A curious seeker. A curious listener. A visionary. An excavator. An ally. A courageous collaborator. An activist. A truth teller, a confidant, a cheerleader, an advocate, and a storyteller's best friend. I love it. Okay. All right. So tell me about the moment you said, I'm a new play dramaturg. Uh, I don't think I've ever said that to myself. And I don't mean that in like a a, a bad way. It's just that I think about dramaturgy in a very large kind of way. And I think about it on a spectrum, right? As my great aunt would say, from the rooter to the tutor, the experience (laughs) of like a piece of drama coming to life, right? And so from the idea to to working with the audience, right? Like at the the end of the process, um, I think about dramaturgy as a way of inhabiting the world. I think about dramaturgy as a a state of mind, right? A kind of curiosity um, to have about how the world works, what it means to be alive, what it means to be a human. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's the root of almost all storytelling, right? Is really uh, edging toward answering those questions. And so whether I'm doing that, you know, in the classroom as a professor, I'm doing that in my scholarship, I'm doing that as a dramaturg or director, I feel like I'm bringing that spirit to everything that I do. Um, And maybe, you know, there are specific things that I'm going to do in the opening part of an idea, turning into a script, turning into, you know, so on and so forth, which is labeled new play dramaturgy. But I think that spirit for me is in everything that I do and in everything that I work on and am a part of. Mm. To me, that that also speaks to the like myriad of tools that a new play dramaturg you know is bringing to any process it's infinite mm-hmm. basically is, mm-hmm. is what you're saying right it's infinite and it's fluid and it's magical and it's something that i think is um often part of the intangible parts right of what mm-hmm. it takes to make a work come to fruition um i we were talking about earlier this idea that you know, for me, I, I really resist in my spirit, right? Putting a finite definition on what a dramaturg is or what a new work dramaturg or production dramaturg. Like I know what some of the responsibilities, right? Of Mm. that label entail, but I feel like there's something about our artistic contribution that needs to stay fluid, that needs to stay immediate and in the moment for what's coming forward. And how do we move that forward, right? How do we take what's coming at us and kind of flip it into um, into something more, into what it's supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so part of that, I can't make uh, finite or I can't make concrete because I've never been in the room on that day with those artists and I need to be open as a vessel to what is needed. So I really, you know, on one hand, I am very resistant to saying this is what this is. Um, I'm more uh, comfortable with talking about what some of the responsibilities might be or what Mm -hmm. some of the outcomes that we would like to see. Um, But what exactly is is hard to say, right? Which is why, as we talked about earlier, 
It's also something that is challenging to make it marketable in a capitalistic type of society that wants to have very concrete things that it buys, right? So, and what we give is some, is part concrete and part water, right? So it's like both of those things at, at the same time. And you want it to be both of those things at the same time. It's not as concrete as like a lighting designer or a costume designer. Um, even though there is much magic to be made in those areas as well, there is a concreteness to what you imagine is going to happen in the life of a costume designer, right? In the life of how they're going to contribute to a work. I don't think that people have that same concreteness when it comes to dramaturgy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. And I think because that concreteness is not there in the capitalistic market, then people often don't know how to value what we bring. So I'm not sure why we need it. But my Mm -hmm. question would be, why do we only want to survive? Mm. Right. I mean, this is about storytelling. This is about magic. This is about intuition. This is about, you know, revealing parts of society that we haven't heard from before. And so I think that there's always going to be that tension as long as we are in a theatrical field that is rooted in capitalism. I mean, we're always, because it's going to be in the way that we relate to time. It's going to be in about the way that we relate to space. It's going to be about the quality of the um, interactions, right? And so to me, um, that's the challenge of our work, right? Is helping people to understand what we bring and that it does have a capitalistic value to it because I do need to pay my mortgage, right? Um, and I want, and I also know that pay in our field is also attached to respect, right? Mm -hmm. That's why dramaturgs often aren't even thought of to be inside of the room or unless somebody's like, oh, well, maybe we should have a dramaturg, right? It's not a um, always already line item, Mm -hmm. right? It's often something that's brought on you know, as a form of luxury, like, oh, I think we can afford this now, Um, instead of thinking about how intrinsic it is to the process. Well, this is the other thing, right? I mean, I'm working in academia. It's extremely rare that you even have classes in dramaturgy, in drama schools, do you know what I mean? Or in, you know, a liberal arts education where dramaturgy is a perfect intersection between liberal arts education and an arts education, right? And not that they have to be separate, but really dramaturgy is quite the space where they come together and overlap over and over and over again. And so I think if we don't have it in our educational spaces, right? So you you rarely see it inside of colleges and universities, and it's even rarer inside of high schools, right? And oftentimes high school is the place where people are like, I'm an actor, I'm a stage manager, and now I'm going to go to college and, you know, get more, you know, learned about this particular field. It's very rare that I have students coming in who say, I want to be a dramaturg. Now they'll take the dramaturgy class and then we'll work on shows. And then they're like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) Right. Like I, I just didn't know. And it's like, then the question is, why didn't you know? Right. Why don't we know about this as a, as a, vocation as a field, as a, you know, way, as another kind of artistry. Because I also don't feel like dramaturgs are thought of as artists. Oftentimes I think they're thought of as someone who's going to bring the the historical context, someone who's going to do the research, someone who's going to talk with the audience, so on and so forth, which we do all of those things, right? 
And we are also artists, right? The selection process, right? The, the things that we bring forward in order to kind of titillate, right? The space and, and create, um, that sense of safety, that sense of magic, that sense of, um, being able to bring one's full self, right? To, to the table. I think we just don't have like a pipeline. Right. And that really brings that profession to the forefront and really values it as another kind of artistry that's brought to the table. And so to me, I, I also think part of my work as a dramaturg is also an advocacy, right? Just, I mean, what you're doing with this podcast, right? Really helping people to understand what we bring, right? So it doesn't even have to be, this is what we do in this very concrete way, but the value of what we bring. I think people don't even know what they're missing by not having a dramaturg in the room. As I said, it's often after the experience that people are like, oh my gosh, I never had a dramaturg like that, or I never had a dramaturg who brought this or who brought that. It really expanded my experience in the rehearsal space, both for the playwright, the performers, you know, and so I think that's part of our work as dramaturgs is to also advocate for work as dramaturgs. So that kind of brings me to this idea of the new play dramaturg as a creative. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about like the way you look at that. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, it's thinking about myself as an artist, right? Um, and that it, and as a, you know, creative collaborator with the playwright, um, the playwright has the vision, they have the story, and it's part of my work is to bring forth a space and a, that, that opens up the doors that allows them to tell the story that only they can tell. Um, and I think that it takes next, I mean, it's almost like improv, right? If we're thinking about it, because it's in mm. real time, what they need, where they're at, it's never the same playwright twice, right? Even if it is the same person, <laughs> you know, different days, some days they're distraught, some days, you know. And so to me, I think about it in the same way that I would prepare to go on stage to do improv, right? That yes, and um, it's not really different for me, right? And that in itself is the ultimate kind of artistry because I have to come with a very open vessel, right? It's not about what I want. It's not about my ego. It's not about what I think should happen, right? It's really what the playwright thinks should happen, right? And it's my job to play with them in a kind of way. And I don't mean in a malicious kind of way. I mean, in a joyful kind of way, right? That brings forth um, the things inside of them that they don't feel like they're able to do yet, right? Whether that's giving them, working with them with exercises, whether that's, you know, kind of just having really like three hour conversations about, <laughs> you know, a certain topic, whether that's bringing in, you know, some work that I have curated for them. And that is part of the artistry too, the curation of what I'm going to bring forward into the space for people to start connecting dots between what's on the written word and this piece of art, you know, that I brought in for them to kind of think about or a video or a piece of music or something like that. So to me, there's an immense amount of really on your feet in real time type of artistry that's happening inside of the space. Also, even before you get into the space, as we've talked about, it's the setting up the space, right? Because a closed vessel 
doesn't have anything that comes out of it, right? And so my job is to create a space where everybody's vessel can be as open as possible, right, inside of that space so that the flow of what is supposed to happen in that collective coming together of artists can happen. And if people are afraid, if people are scared, if people are intimidated, I'm, we're not going to get our best work. Right. And so part of my job is also setting up an environment, right, where the artists feel like they can come with open hearts, open spirits, open minds and open vessels to let the spirit flow of the story that they only they can tell. And I really prize the fact that only that vessel can tell that story in that way. And so that's why for me, I also don't come in with like preconceived like this is that tool for this. And this is the tool for that. I have a lot of different tools and I might apply them or not, depending on the feedback that I'm getting from my improv partner, right? Inside <laughs> of the, the space. So it's not like a, a job where you can come and like, I'm prepared to do X, Y, Z, which I am prepared to do X, Y, Z and A, B, C and D, E, F and maybe A, D, Z, right? (laughs) We just don't know what's going to be necessary. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that's another thing in thinking about the dramaturg as an artist is thinking about how do I get my physical, spiritual, emotional self into a space where my vessel is open. Because Mm -hmm. if my vessel is not open and clear, right, then people can perceive that. You know, we're artists, we're intuitive, right? We, We feel each other. And so I have to think about, you know, before I come into that space, it's not just about setting up the space. It's also setting up myself to be able to come into that space without the ego of like, aha, I know how this structure can match up with this or this line. I don't know, right? I, I always am thinking I'm turning it over, right? And I'm also thinking about the fact that the playwright knows, even if they don't know that they know, I know that they know. Right. And it's part of my job is to like seek that intuition that's inside of the artist and give them that space to like (sighs) bring that thing forward that literally only them on this planet can bring forward. Mm. That so resonates in terms of like, if you are a dramaturg and this is the first time you're meeting with a playwright and you've got like five pages of notes in front of you and you're just ready to fire away, oh like, boy. Oh boy. please don't be that dramaturg, right? Like yes. that is not what we want to be doing. And it's not because those notes aren't useful. It's because we don't know where the playwright is and where the playwright is, is what matters. That's what matters. Absolutely. I mean, to me, that is the very first thing that I'm going to do when I start to work with a playwright. Because to me, trust is the foundation of that relationship, right? When I say like a best friend, trust is the, the foundation of that, right? And I also respect that as an artist, we're really vulnerable about bringing, you know, these, these. there's a reason why these stories haven't been told, right? Some of it is structural inequities. Some of it is, you know, all of the isms out there. But also part of it is that it's vulnerable, right? Like to, to bring these stories mm-hmm. forward and to think, do these stories have value, right? And so to me, the first place that I'm going to like interact with a playwright is really understanding where they're at with the work, 
right? What, what is this work according to them? Um, what's their vision for it? If they have a vision for it, it might just be like, I have an idea, but I don't quite have a vision yet. But really, like, what are your roadblocks? What are the stumbling places? Where are the fear points? That's really what I want to listen for, right? And understand, because that's going to be the first place that I'm going to work on, right? I'm going to work on supplying like confidence and support into those areas to help them get from point A to point B. Um, and then once those things are really like um, looked at, activated, and like put in the places where they can be uh, productive, then we can get to the script, but I feel like if a playwright is coming or an artist is coming with a lot of, you know, walls up because of fear or I'm not sure, because the thing is, a lot of times a playwright only comes to a dramaturg when they're like, I've done everything I can do and I don't really know how to like penetrate this wall any, any further, right? So they're already having a point of insecurity where they feel like their skills alone cannot get them to where they want to go. So I'm really sensitive and aware of that. And I want to like hold all of those insecurities and I want to address them. And then we can move forward in whatever way their instinct is telling us that we should move forward. Because I feel like if we if those insecurities are there, they're about closing vessels, not opening vessels. Mm -hmm. Right. And I imagine the, the uber analytical, potentially theoretical dramaturg thinking about this from a perspective of, well, this critical feedback is what I need to bring to this meeting, right? Instead of, no, what you need to bring to this meeting is yourself as a human being, right? And that's and, right. And who you are really authentically, because you're going to be responding as that person to this play, right? To and so, this play in this moment. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that first meeting really needs to be about getting to know one another as human beings, not just as artists, right? Because you're bringing all of yourself to this process. Yes. And the playwright needs to know you the way that you know them, right? So I, I love asking the playwright questions because I find... That especially that first meeting, like, I don't really think I should be talking that much, right? And mm -hmm. should really be more like, no, you tell me what's going on. You tell me what you need. And then, and then I have the tools I need to support you. Yeah. In a certain kind of way, there is an aspect of new play dramaturgy that is like a therapist. I'm not going to go to a therapist and right off the bat, they're telling me what I need. <laughs> I have already told you what me. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I really need to like, listen, right? Like that really is like my first place to go with, with the work because I know, I don't know. That's, that's what I do know is that I don't know. Right. And I do know that the playwright knows. Right. Mm, yeah. It just kind of clicked for me that, that the, the first component of new play dramaturgy is the human component. Yes. Right. You know, and then after that is when we start talking about feedback of any kind, mm -hmm. you know, um, that space in between. Right. Um, and I think that's something that people often don't realize is skipped in many cases. I would agree. I would agree. And you know why? Because for me, it's like, let's get down to business. Mm -hmm. right like speaking of capital like let's get down the script is the thing right and for me the playwright is the thing yes right because we don't have the play we don't have the story if the playwright is not able to really 
give and be present in their fullest way, right? Like I want the play that's the fullest expression of what that person has to say, right? Because one, because we do live in a capitalistic society, we may not get another chance, right? To, to get this. And so to me, um, that's, that only can happen when there is a true relationship there, when there is a true kind of like um, sense of trust, right, with each other. Um, and to me, that is, that's going to be privileged throughout the entire process. Because if at any point that breaks down, the process is really hampered by that. It's really like if you have a, a playwright who doesn't trust their dramaturg, I really don't know where you go from there. Right. So that trust to me um, is is imperative and it's imperative from the very beginning of the process. And that that bonding as two human beings. Right. One in a support way. Right. And one in a lead kind of way. Um, even though I will say sometimes when I start as a new play dramaturg in, in this kind of work, working with a playwright, I feel them wanting me to lead. <laughs> because they're at a place where I'm like, I don't know what else to do, you know? And it's like really this uh, new framing of what this relationship, it's like, no, you're leading. Even when you don't know that you're leading, right? Um, it's like your instinct is taking us to where we're supposed to go. We don't need to know what step C is. If we're on B, let's be in B for as long as we need to, and then moving on to C. But we won't move on until the playwright's instinct, right, leads us to that next step. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, if we're going to reimagine what the future of theater is, I think we have to reimagine our relationship to capitalism. I think we have to reimagine our relationship to, and I don't just mean like the workers or the people inside of the institution, but I mean on a national scale to really rethink the relationship between art and, and and capitalism, essentially, right? Because you, and we see these examples in in Europe and other countries, right, where the government does fully, I don't want to say fully, but does appreciate with their dollars, right, the arts and really understands what a social contribution the arts are to us as human beings, right? Obviously, we know this to be true because during the lockdown, you know, the U.S. lockdown phase of COVID. That's all we were doing is going to books, going to YouTube, yeah. going to yeah. Netflix, going to music, going to, exactly. I mean, that's so much of what sustained us, our sanity during that time. Mm -hmm. But I think as a country, we don't um, value the arts in that way, in a consistent way. Mm -hmm. And so we make the arts scrap it out, right, with other artists <laughs> to make art. Mm -hmm. And that really is not the recipe to me, right, for how... Um, great art gets is born, right? It's like a baby. I can't be like, hey, baby, you got to come out now. You know what I mean? It's like the baby comes when the baby comes, right? Right. I mean, of course, there's C-section. There's sometimes, you know, there's other things the baby's telling us that we need to have different ways of imagining how this baby comes to life. That said, I think as long as we're tied in that relationship to capitalism, it's always going to be a fight mm -hmm. for value. Yeah. Yeah, because I see too with um, funders and donors, you know, as working title grows, it's having to figure out how to tell our story in a way that makes sense to them, which has been wild for me because 
um, they don't understand process, right? Mm -hmm. So having to explain the value of process and the value of what we're doing as a service organization, it can be, uh, it can, it can be mind numbing for me at times. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I have to remind myself that, um, that these funders are interested in hearing this narrative that mm-hmm. I have, mm-hmm. it's just newer to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's the way I'm approaching it, you know, and looking at other organizations that are similar, like Minneapolis Playwright Center, and you know, new dramatists and stuff like that and kind of seeing what they're doing as well. But I think part of it for me is like really not wanting to compromise the fact that we're not producers and mm-hmm. not ever wanting to change that because I just really see so much freedom mm-hmm. in not being a producer and not being a part of that. Because as soon as we start producing, people are going to decide, oh, well, you're not producing my play. You're just producing this person's play. And then it becomes this game of who is being selected for things, which really we don't look at selection. We look at recipients, right? Mm-hmm. Because for us, every single person who is um, a recipient of our program should be paying it forward in the community. Yes. Right. Um, that the people that are sitting in that room with them have been hired by us, but they are, they are future collaborators. They are fellow artists. Mm-hmm. And these are the people that make your work better and make you better you know? And so it doesn't make any sense not to take full advantage of that as an artist, you yes. know? Um, and so it's I, a rare space, right? Yeah, and and I see too that the, the way that producers are approaching doing the work is through a product-based model, right? Yes. They have and a lot of them and and, you know, not necessarily throwing shade because this is what people had to do when the recession hit in 2007. Absolutely. They had to survive, right? Absolutely. And survival is something that artists in this country have and will always understand. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a part of our foundation. Um, and, and I think producers need to do what I'm encouraging myself to do, which is to tell the story in a different way and teach funders how to fund us. Right. And so instead of, instead of a season full of, full of work that you can't afford, right. Let's do less, let's do more community engagement. Let's do less product driven programming. Right. And what does that mean for what theater looks like mm-hmm. if we entirely change the idea, well, we're going to, we need to add a bar and sell alcohol and create more income, income, income. Mm-hmm. But the truth is we are not for profit. We are non-profit organizations that are running like for profit yeah. businesses. That's why I'm saying it's a relationship <laughs> to capitalism, right? It's so like battle. we're just slowly leaning more and more toward toward that kind of way. And it's because, you know, of things like scarcity, right? It's And so that's why to me, it's not a like one organization, one theater. It's, it's a federal conversation that really needs to be had about um, our social relationship to the arts, right? And really valuing that this, just in the same way that we invest in, um, you know, in in biomedical and the same way that we invest in all of these other ways that are helping us to understand what it means to be alive, right? I don't see why the arts wouldn't be 
valued in the same way because it gives us another kind of insight into that question about what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be here in this moment? What did it mean to be there in 1952? What, you know, all of these different kinds of things that, you know, we can hear the same story in a news report. We can hear the same story in a, um, in a historical biography, but it is another experience to, to sit in a room with other people, right, that we may or may not know, that may have voted all kinds of different ways from us, right? <laughs> and we are having this journey together, right? I mean, there is nothing more sacred in our culture than that sitting around the fire, right? The lights, the gas lamp, right? All of that kind of stuff and hearing a story about humanity. They're like, that doesn't get replaced because if it did, it would have already been replaced. Right. But it doesn't. It's it's a it's thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. I just think that um, the challenge for us is that we've intertwined that contribution with capitalism. Right. And the artistic process needs the time that it needs. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like dramaturgy. Right. In the way that it's hard to say this is an exact science. It's not an exact science. Right. And so and how it comes out of different people takes all kinds of different, you know, roads and journeys and adventures. And so um, to me, until that changes on a large scale federal level, um, we're always going to be trying to navigate from the margins about how to make art on on the artist's time, not on the dollar's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's also part of our work as a new play dramaturg is like putting our arms out to, you know, the walls on the left, the walls on the right and saying, no, they need this time. Right. And we need to protect that time. And it's Mm -hmm. rare and it's valuable. And that's where these full expressions, right, of the human experience come from is people having that time to think, to sleep, to dream, to have sex, to meet people, to break up, to do all kinds of life experiences that inform that need to happen in order for that particular story to be told. I can't imagine what Hamilton would look like if it had six months. It would be a totally different it's disaster. Yeah, probably. you know, I, mean, I have faith in those artists. I truly do. But they needed seven years. Yeah, and seven years of a lot of people going, huh? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Can that really? Right? And it's like, yes, it can. And I think part of what a dramaturg also brings is advocating for that time and space. For mm-hmm. artists to be able to make the work that only they can make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I started with working title as the managing artistic director in 2016, you know, the organization had been around about 10 years already. And, um, and I just put dramaturgs everywhere. I mean, it's just like, you know, we had dramaturgs in our workshop program, mm-hmm. but in the other programs we really didn't. And so I just started using the word everywhere. And, um, And I think it's funny because at the time, I don't think I realized how controversial that was Mm. that I was doing that. And people would later be like, oh, well, you've got all these dramaturgs and da da da. And I'd be like, oh, well, yeah, you know. And for me, it was really more about awareness and bringing awareness to who the dramaturg is. Mm -hmm. And so in our table series, it's, you know, everything we do is very process focused. So for me, the person leading the room, is both a dramaturg and a director, right? Yes. So we literally call them a dramaturg director. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to just call them a director because they're not. That's right. Right. Um, and so it's, it's so funny because 
as I sort of develop more of this, um, you know, sort of what we're working with at Working Title in terms of a, a style of new play dramaturgy, um, I learned that um, there is so much specificity to it. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of improv because it's like dramaturgical improv. Absolutely. It really is because there's no lack of specificity in it, but you're not coming in knowing Mm -hmm. what is about to occur. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I think that can be for a dramaturg who's used to research and production and literary management, that could be, be very shocking. Absolutely. And unsettling. Absolutely. Right. Um, And so there is a certain grounding in self, Mm -hmm. right. That, um, that I think new play dramaturgs would really behoove themselves to have. Yes. yes, (laughs) Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, Because if you, if you're coming at something nervous, anxious, stressed out, the playwright's going to feel exactly the same way. It's just going to just all just spill out into the other person. Right. Yes. There's too many impacts. <laughs> right? Yes, a- absolutely. And so to me, that's also part of the practice of being uh, a new play dramaturg, right? Is like, what is that practice for myself that grounds me to be able to go into the space that grounds me to allow my ego to like go to the side because this does not serve me in that space, right? Um, and to really come as a whole person ready to receive the yes and, right? Um, as you call it, you know, dramaturgical improv. Yeah. And I've had people say like, well, how do you deal with a conflict? Let's say you're on a team. And one good example was um, there's a talk back scheduled with the audience, but the playwright is supposed to be there, yes. right? And yes. so if you're the dramaturg on the team and you are there to support the playwright and you're like, oh, this 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 could be a really bad idea. Right. Mm-hmm. Then to have the playwright in front of this audience, let's say we're pretty far into uh, the process here. Right. Yeah. And this could be uh, a really problematic situation for an audience to give feedback to a playwright at this point. And and you have to talk to the team about this. And this is this is part of your job as a new play dramaturg. Right. Absolutely. Some people might think, oh, that would make me uncomfortable. I don't know how I would handle that. And I'm like, well, get comfortable with handling conflict because it's part of doing this work. Yes. So I guess hearing you say that, it also makes me, you know, I I feel like I'm talking in a very kind of philosophical way, right, about dramaturgy. Um, And at the same time, there are some very hard and fast, like, skill sets that you need, right, to be able to do this work. And I think one of those things is um, being able to face the truth. Right. That sometimes the direction that we're going (laughs) is going to create more harm. Right. Than help. Right. Or how can we rebalance a space that's going to be more helpful than harmful. Right. For the playwright or for the team, um, which is a real concrete kind of skill set. Right. In the same that it's a similar kind of skill set than when you hold um, talkbacks after shows. Right. And, And so and how do you like read a room? How do you bring a room forward in a way that is healthy, right? And also a way that's accountable and also a way that has joy inside of it, you know, like all of those kinds of things with people that you don't know what kind of day they've had, you know, you don't know how 
the energy they're bringing into the room, right? Which is another part of that improv, right? Because you're really riding the wave of the energy inside of that space um, as the dramaturg. And it could turn, right? That wave really could turn left or right at, at, at any time. And so I do think that um, so much of this work, and especially because people are not getting the like, educational support right inside of um, their you know getting their theater degrees um, it's often a profession that people come to by accident or like oh I've been doing that work or oh I, I really like that you know and how do I you know uh, which is probably why the intensive right has come to fruition because the universe has not created the support that's been needed and so I think that um, I don't want to talk about new play dramaturgy only in its like philosophical way. I also want, you know, people to know that there are hard and fast skill sets, right? Which means not everybody is a dramaturg, mm-hmm. right? Not everybody is a lighting designer. Not everybody is a director, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody is a new play dramaturg, right? Because it does take a very uh, unique uh, skill set, right? To be able to, um, uh, to be able to work in that kind of way, right. And to protect and to nurture and to advocate and to like push and to, you know, when to step back, like it's, it's very, it's a very, very intuitive, um, type of artistry to me. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. Um, and I, I feel like we've already talked about a lot of this sort of toolbox items, um, that we like to use, but, um, do you have any toolbox items you want to mention that you might not have mentioned yet? And then um, I want to talk about your well. Book I think project. one of one of the toolbox things that I do, and I kind of talked about this, is really this kind of series of questions that allow a playwright, even before we meet, to have some moments of self reflection with themselves and their work. Um, that I think is like a go to tool for me. It doesn't matter who the playwright is, um, whether they're super experienced or this is their very first kind of, you know, shot at doing a play kind of thing. That tool I find to be extremely valuable, right? Because I think before the playwright and I come together, it's important that the playwright and the playwright come together, right? And Mm -hmm. really have a sense of where they are in this moment with their work. Mm. I love that. So just for clarity's sake, you like to send out. So before you meet with the playwright, you send out an email Mm -hmm. to them that has a series of questions for them to consider before you meet with them. Yes. They don't have to answer all of these questions. It's just something for them to consider. Um, And it's, it's really important for me, for them to have that time and for them to, and for me to have that before I read the play for the first time. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like reading the play for the first time, I only get one 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 time to be able to do that, to be able to have that freshness, that authentic freshness, because everything after that is a compilation, right, of conversations, mm-hmm. of reading it, of, oh, I had this thought when I read page 12 and this line. So I only get one opportunity to read the play fresh. Mm-hmm. And I that is a skill. That is something that the dramaturg is bringing. So I like hold that to the side. And then I hear back from them, right? Things, what do you want me to be thinking about as I, you know, navigate through your work? And so I will wait to get that back from them, right? And then I will read the work, right? And so for me, that is both a tool for the playwright and for me to get into this work. Because once I get into it, then, you know, there's no first time again, 
right? I see that that is such a, a fantastic strategy. So you're so because what I see you doing is is almost prepping yourself for the playwright expectations the first time you read the play. Yes. Right. That's what you're saying yeah. is that you're you've asked so that you don't even have to get to the part where you don't know what the questions are. You already know. That's exactly this short conversation you've had by email. Yeah, that's right. And so, and the other thing is, so like I'll read it with, with them in mind. So I'm kind of taking mm-hmm. them with me into the work. Mm-hmm. And then when I give the first feedback, the first feedback are the questions, right? So the, the questions that they might be having, the, the roadblocks. That, so those are the first things that I'm going to look at, right? And I'm going to give feedback to so that they can get the anxiety out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, mm-hmm. they answered and addressed and then they're asking questions and stuff like that. And then the last thing that I will do when I give feedback is here are some things to think about, right? These are the things that they didn't ask about. They don't feel, you know what I mean? Any kind of way about, they're just things that hit me in a certain kind of way, right? And so that's the other thing about the gift of the first time reader, right? Is that I'm just letting you know, this is how it bounced off my life experiences. Mm -hmm. And here are some things to think about or consider, you know, I'm a big believer in take what you like and leave the rest, right? And so, but that will come at the very, very end. But the first thing that I'm going to do is address every single question that they have. Right. Because I'm like, let's get the, I'm like a, a warrior in there, just, you know, <laughs> slicing the dice and, and trying to, to really address the things that the fear is circling around. Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel like we can get to the other parts if we don't address the things that we're scared of mm-hmm. or that the playwright, right, has fear around or concern or things like that. So I use those questions. One for them to have their, their self-reflection, for me to really understand where they're at, um, for them to understand where they're at as well. Um, and then I take that into reading of the work and then I use that as the blueprint for how I'm going to start giving feedback to them. Mm. I love that. I love hearing that too, because, um, because I do it differently. I have started making myself write written notes because I didn't used to, I used to like having, um, virtual meetings and recording them. And then the, the playwright Mm. can keep that. Yeah. But a lot of playwrights want written notes. So I have in, in my effort to be adaptable, I'm like, okay, well, let me put these written notes together. And I remember you saying something like written notes take forever. And I was like, that's why hers are so good because she takes forever to put them together. <laughs> and and that is the truth. Like when I really spend time on them and I go back and I really think about how each note is going to be taken in. Yeah, that's part of what takes a look. Because no, like the things that I want to give feedback on, they're very clear to me, right? When, when I'm reading it, but I have to think about the reception of it, which is, I will say for me, part of the improv of these first kind of initial meetings is when I actually meet with them. So then, and so I like to give them the notes in advance, if I'm able to finish them in enough advance, right? So that they can take time to like, take them in and ask questions or, or I'm not clear about this or, oh yeah, that's what I was thinking. Right. And then I meet with them. And when I meet with them, then I'm like coming as a just open vessel. Like, here is this, let's talk. Like, what, what do you think? How are you feeling? Let's hear about your, you know, all of these kinds of things. So I think maybe we just start putting them in also yeah. different, different parts of the journey, but that definitely is really important. I will also say, you know, for new play dramaturgy, there's 
a lot of different um, variables as far as how much time you get a chance to have with a playwright. So it might be like five hours, right? That might be like the package that that they are Mm -hmm. having or purchasing or whatever, right? It might be like, oh, this is a whole entire lab where you have six weeks, you know, which is a whole different type of approach. Um, because of the time that we're going to have. So if I feel like I'm only going to get five hours, I want to make sure that I'm addressing their concerns. I want to like make sure that when they walk away, now maybe they never read the notes again, maybe they do come back to them. And which is why every, I, I don't know, this is just me, every note, I'm really thinking about putting it in a way that feels open and still gives the note, right? That's not telling like prescriptive, you know what I mean? But it's, um, and so it takes time for me to really word things in a way where even if the playwright comes back to it in six months, right? It still feels open. It still feels relevant. Um, Mm -hmm. And that for me is, that's part of the craft. That's also part of the artistry those notes that could take hours for me to write um, that will stand for months or years or who knows the next time I'll see that playwright again. I mean, I've had playwrights come back and say, I have read your notes a million times, right? I've had other drama tricks. I've had this, but it's really nice to be able, because they're like, a lot of times when a playwright, when I meet with them in person, they're like taking some kind of notes or they're like, oh yeah, this little thing over here and allowing them to have it like in a, finite space that's digital that's this is what this is do do you know what I mean where the notes are in full and not just a little scribble over here or scribble over there allows them to be able to come back and also you know as an educator I know that different brains work differently yeah right and so I'm really also trying to uh, work for a lot of different brains Mm-hmm. and learning styles and though not that I'm teaching them something because I'm definitely not doing that but I also understand that reception happens in a lot of different ways and mm-hmm. some people need that in their hand they need something to read they need some you know and some people don't need that um so I'm trying to like give especially because it's at the beginning where I'm still getting to know them and like how they um take in and hold feedback. Some people can hold very direct feedback and some people cannot. And that's okay because Mm -hmm. both people should be telling their stories. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's for me, which is another part of the artistry is really understanding which playwright is which, right. Mm -hmm. And being able to like, in a kind of way, shape shift to meet them wherever they're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's so true. I mean, that's why I have uh, push myself to work on the written notes is because so many of the playwrights really prefer it. And I've, what I've often done is, um, because I am so much more verbal, I will give the notes first and then I will send them the written because I actually end up redoing it after talking to them. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll be like, no, we don't need that anymore. I'll cut that. And then I'll cut that. And then I'll send it to them. So it's like really interesting, you know, and I didn't used to do the written notes as much. So now it's like, it's a whole different process, which I'm really enjoying, but that really just started because I am now training people to do it. Right. And so I think your written notes are one of the examples that I use. Mm. Right. Um, 
your written notes, Rebecca Suella's written notes, and Hank Kimmel's written notes. You and very different, right? <laughs> all fabulous. Yes, exactly. And all of you do a lot of services with us and work with us in different ways. Um, and I do love all of the different formats and styles and vibes of the different yes. written notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite things, um, and I feel like mine are. I mean, you can kind of see, like, they're a little all over. Like, they're kind of scattered. I have to and say, I feel like it's, like, I, the I way I talk. I did not <laughs> see them scattered. I was like, good. Oh, look at this. This is, like, I, it, they made me feel very safe. Good. Yeah, because I felt like I know we could go anywhere, but I also know we could go here. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so they just, um, uh, and yeah, they, they just made me feel really safe and I, I really appreciated them. Yeah. And they felt like you. I mean, I guess that's the thing is that we write as we are. Yes. Right. Like I know when I'm reading my students' papers, I can hear them, which is also why I always know when it's plagiarized because I'm like, <laughs> sound like you? This is somebody. This is not you, though, right? So I, I because we write as we are, right? And so, yeah, yes. yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so I would love to talk about. Um, obviously, you have a lot of projects going on, but I would love to talk about the Methuen Book of Trans Plays. Yes, yes. Please tell us about this incredible anthology. Yeah. So I will say um, this to me is also um, another form of new play dramaturgy to me, right? So I think that there's a way that when people do know what the dramaturg brings, they there is a very kind of traditional pairing of like, we have a project and we have a new play dramaturg and they go together, right? And I think that there are lots of different ways that a new play dramaturg can contribute to the play, I mean, contribute to the world and the field of new play dramaturgy or new plays being birthed into the world. And so one of the ways, so I'm also trained as a scholar and I teach. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I was coming up against inside of the classroom is one, I just wanted to make my syllabi as like, uh, diverse as possible. I mean, I feel like we have 16 weeks, which means we're already extremely limited on the voices that we will hear. And so I just wanted yeah. them to be, I wanted my students to hear from lots of different people, lots of different points, right, in, in the world. And I wasn't seeing um, a book that I could go to in an easy mainstream kind of way um, that was a book that really was by trans um, playwrights, that was about, you know, uh, trans characters or featured trans characters that didn't focus on surgeries or, you know, balls or these kinds of things, but really talked about all kinds, I mean, life, right? Like we are full people. We have all kinds of life experiences, but I think a lot of like cis-centered work that has to do with trans lives, trans experiences are often really fetishized on this experience of transition. And so I worked with um, a beautiful, glorious team of um, co-editors. Um, uh, I wanted to say Leanna Keys and also Lindsay Mantone. We worked together and we also were like, we don't see this book, right? And so we just mm -hmm. decided, um, and I have to say, I have to give a little bit of credit to um, fabulous lighting designer and scholar, um, Kathy Perkins, right? Who says like, it's the things that we see that aren't there, that's our vision, right? Mm -hmm. That's the gift of our vision of the thing that we need to create, right? Or else 
everybody would see that it's not there, but we <laughs> see that that thing's not there. So it's like, oh, that's that's our job. So we just decided that we're going to create this anthology, right? And that it's going to serve as a kind of platform for artistic directors who say, I don't know where these plays are, right? For um, for uh, syllabi inside of universities, right? And the great thing about the book is that it, it's lots of new playwrights, right? So I just want to, I like want to name some of these yes. new playwrights. So Sharifa Yasmin, MJ Kaufman, Jay Chavez, Ty Defoe, Azure D. Osborne Lee, Liana Keys, Raphael Corey, and many more, right? And so we, we set out a submission, right? For new plays and new playwrights. And so we, um, we read hundreds of plays um, and then we kind of whittled it down to eight. And then we also asked for uh, trans and non-binary scholars to do scholarship work on those plays because we also don't have a lot of scholarship on this body of work. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I feel like this work is new play dramaturgy, right? Because I feel like these are new plays that need to be out into the world. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's also a platform for trans performers, for trans directors, right? And one of the dramaturgical things that we did is that we asked all of the playwrights that in the casting breakdown, that they are very specific about the people and the lived experiences that they want infused into the casting of this work. So that we know that when these plays get done, it has been asked for, right? It's not like, well, maybe we, you know, it's like, no, this is who this play is asking for, right? And so we wanted the book to be a kind of platform, right? To be able to uh, travel in a lot of different circles, right? Um, and so in, in the pipeline and beyond, because a lot of times artistic directors are like, they're doing the plays that they learned in college, Right. That's where they're pulling from a lot of the times. And sometimes that's a long time ago. Right. And so we just we hope that this will be um, fruitful seed. Right. Right. Um, for more stories um, to be told and another kind of pathway, because I also think for dramaturgs, oftentimes um, we're often forgotten. Right. When it comes to the creation of plays. Um, and it's often like we are attached to someone else's project which I think, of course, that is part of the spirit of the work that we do. But I also think dramaturgs can have their own projects, right? And I think it's important for us to have our own projects, right? Mm. And so and so I just want to encourage uh, new um, play dramaturgs to think outside of the box about the types of contributions that we can make to our, our regions, to our country, to the regional theater system, to our educational system, to the mm -hmm. development of the pipeline. I think we have much to give, right, mm -hmm. in those areas. It's not just about placing a dramaturg with uh, a work or a playwright. There are many, I mean, this podcast is a prime example of that kind of advocacy work that is done in a lot of different modalities and a lot of different mediums. And so I think if I were to like leave this podcast, right, or any kind of, I don't know, advice, I don't like giving advice because I don't know what other people should be doing. I barely know what I should be doing. But <laughs> I will say that don't be afraid to create your own projects. Mm. Don't be afraid to create your own lanes of new play dramaturgy. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid to re, I don't even want to say reimagine, imagine a new, right? You know, different ways to widen this field. Mm -hmm. One of those ways is working with artists and playwrights. The others could be a million different things, right? And so this is one way that I'm doing that. You know, I mean, another thing I think, we need more dramaturgs to write criticism, 
right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, a diverse group of drama charts to mm-hmm. be able to do this, right? We normally have had cis white men who have been like the arbiters of criticism and critique. But I think, you know, they don't understand every life experience. And so we need lots of different dramaturgs out there because a lot of times the plays that are chosen to be read inside of classrooms are often plays that have uh, commentary or critique that can go with them in a lesson plan, right? Mm -hmm. Or think about, you know, giving um, talks, right, at colleges or at, you know, in different kinds of spaces. So I just think that there's a lot of different ways that a new play dramaturg can work. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's time that we discover the outer bounds of what that could be. I love that so much because you're also like talking about NPDs creating resources yes. for the field, yes, right? Absolutely. Um, of which there are not a lot, you know? <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, I've I've been teaching this new play dramaturgy intensive um, for two years now. And I will say that I love the resources that I have pulled together, but I have been shocked by the, um, limited amount of really good resources that are, that are thinking about the work in a dramaturgical way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and So often I listen to podcasts in the hopes that I'm going to hear about the process of creation. And usually we end up talking about career path and um, maybe the actors in the piece. We're not really talking about how the piece was made. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the product itself and we're observing something about that, but we're mentioning that it was developed in this space, Mm -hmm. right? So I have just found so often that the material is very limited. And so in, in being a part of this Methuen book and the other book that you were a part of about canonicity, like that I absolutely love and hope that people will, will review as well. You know, you're contributing to the field in ways that we have not seen before. You know, so thank you for and for I being say, a part of this. I, I'm not an originator, of, you know, of this. I just feel like the beauty of being a dramaturg is that you one gets an opportunity to work and contribute to the field in a lot of different ways, right? That I don't feel like is always afforded to maybe someone who you know has a more uh, finite feel, like uh, I don't know, a more finite feel that people are like, I know what that is, right? So I feel like it is the dramaturgs that really are that kind of fluid in between the bricks in between. Do you know what I mean? That, that Mm -hmm. have that opportunity to cast a really wide net, right. About understanding the context, right. Understanding the work and the world and bringing those two things together. And I think it can be done in a million different ways, right. I'm seeing it here in Atlanta on the belt line, right. When I see artistic work that's up and then I see, you know, commentary that's, you know, research that's done about it. That's really like, oh, I'm standing in this real space. I'm looking around and taking this in. And then I'm putting this in, in juxtaposition with this piece of art that I'm seeing. And then somebody has written this beautiful commentary that like weaves together this world that I'm standing in and the work that I'm looking at. And I'm having this really beautiful experience mm-hmm. on my walk on the belt line. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I just think there's so many, I mean, I'm, uh, was just asked to work on a project um, that involves a um, a collection of fashion, right? And to do some writing, uh, uh, some kind of dramaturgical writing around the the material art, right? That is the fashion mm-hmm. and the 
historical moment in which people were using that fashion as a way to armor up or to say, fuck you, or to, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these kinds of things. And so I think that I want to say, don't, we shouldn't limit ourselves and what our contributions can be as a dramaturg, because, you know, as William Shakespeare says, all the world's a stage, right? (laughs) And there are just so many ways of weaving the work and the world together in really unexpected ways um, that I think really contribute to our experiences of being alive. God, that just made me think of, um, I feel like one of the first times I really felt excited about, you know, that kind of exploration is I took a costume design class in college Mm. and we used the Kentucky cycle, Mm -hmm. which is just such a phenomenal piece of work. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just so fascinated by like, I think I had used a a pattern that was not old enough for the period Mm -hmm. that I was in. And, and I remember my teacher mentioning that, oh, well, that plaid wasn't available until this year. And I just like, I just geeked out. Oh my gosh. I just was obsessed. Yes, exactly. Just obsessed with the, the, well, that fabric wasn't created yet. She brought out, she had like an incredible quilt collection Mm. and she showed us the quilts and what they meant. And I was like, I had no idea quilts were like literally living history because they're holding the fabric of that time period. Yes. Wow. And I just was, I just was blown away as like a 20 year old. I could not believe it. And that to me, that is dramaturgy. That is the beauty of this work. That's right. I mean, I think so much of our work, uh, James Sneed, who's a a film scholar, uh, you know, talks about this idea that, you know, we learn, we learn to see and to see through. And I think the dramaturgs part of our work is the journeying to seeing and then seeing through. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're holding hands and we're like, we don't, I feel like it's like a room that's all dark and we're feeling around and nobody knows exactly what the room looks like, but we're like all discovering together intellectually, sensually, like all of these kinds of ways. And yeah. So to me, that is, a foundation, right, of what we do and what we weave together as dramaturgs, right? That ability to see the familiar anew, right? And there's Mm. storytelling in everything, right? In literally, like, the world works on storytelling, Mm -hmm. right? People get elected into office on mythos and storytelling, right? It's like, what? Mm -hmm. Kind of thing. And so to me, I think, um, you know, it's our, it's an honor to be a part of a craft that is about the birthing of story, right? Mm. Because that is really intrinsic to our humanity and every relationship that we have in this world or don't have, right, in this world. Um, and so to me, it's a, it's a sacred craft. Mm. It, it truly, truly is, or it truly can be, I'll say that. Right. <laughs> the experience may not always feel like that, <laughs> but, but I truly think that it is. And that's yeah. why I say that when I'm coming into a space, especially with new play development, I have to like turn it over. Right. And when I say turn mm-hmm. over, I mean to the universe to mm-hmm. be like, I do not know. I don't know. Like I really don't know. Right. But I want to be ready. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also hear you saying like living in that present moment is so key. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because if not, then I'm prescribing. Right. I'm dictating what is going to happen. And for me, it's about, well, it's, it is like that improv, 
right? Like I, I get ready and then I show up, right? And getting ready doesn't mean that I don't do research or I'm not doing, you know, all of these other kinds of things. Um, but at the end of the day, I have to show up open. Mm-hmm. I have to show up with a big heart. I have to show up with an open mind. I have to show up with an open spirit because if not, it's all red. Every, everyone knows it. Do you know what I mean? When, when we're not coming in with that kind of space. I think that's why we have to have the dramaturg and why it can't be the producer or the director or the stage manager, right? It's because we can't have any of those concerns, right? Yeah. It, our priorities are different. Exactly. And sometimes they're competing, right? Yes. And, and that's okay, right? Yes. I'm okay to have those conversations, truly. Um, that said, we have different jobs. We have different objectives, mm-hmm. right? And I have to say, I do appreciate the producer. It's not like I'm like, you're my arch nemesis or you know, yeah, something right? like that. No, like, I, I appreciate them. Like yes. we, we do live in a capitalistic society. We do need money to make this happen. I would love for my check not to bounce. Right? Like, we do need all of these people. And I think part of what, you know, um, in lieu of not having another system of funding, right? I think it's also something that brings a lot of uh, dynamic energy right into the space. Um, and I think, you know, part of our mission is to protect the process. I want to get to these um, last final questions. Okay. Okay. So favorite new play references, favorite inspirations. Yes. Okay. So I have a million, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to give, I have like one book that I think is a great one because it has so many different perspectives and voices inside of it. And then I just have a few quotes that are really, I don't know, they're kind of meaningful to me um, at this moment, right? Um, So I would say I really would plug the Rutledge Companion to Dramaturgy. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really wonderful reference place to start. It's coming from a very global kind of perspective. There's like over 85 different dramaturgs who are contributing in all kinds of different ways and fashions and entry points into the work. And so I think it's a great I don't know. For me, it's something that I've had it for a long time and I'll go back to it and think, oh, I'm working on this kind of project. Let me just see what somebody has to say about talkbacks or about this or about developing and, you know, all of these different kinds of contexts. And so to me, I think it's a great kind of go-to book um, and anthology hearing from lots of different dramaturgs from lots of different perspectives. Um, I also really love, um, so Columbia University, at one point I was thinking about applying there, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things that really stuck with me was their definition of um, a dramaturg. And I just, I don't know, it just stuck with me. And so uh, it reads that dramaturgs um, are people of ideas who function as fluid, creative, motivating liaisons among all of the components of a creative team. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I really love that. Like it's like very open, but it's also concrete. I'm like, I think I know what that is, Mm. but it could be anything right. In that kind of way. And it's exactly right for me. Like that's kind of been my experience that like person of ideas. And I would also say person of heart, right. And Mm. spirit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also, I mean, this is a very kind of like simple, you know, thing, but it comes from Susan Laurie Parks's essay on possession. Mm -hmm. And it just is like this, this, I put this on a lot of my syllabi, you know, this idea that theater is the place which best allows me to figure out how the world works. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm contributing to. 
right? I'm, I'm no different than a scientist. I'm no different than a historian. I'm no different than a biologist, right? Who are really trying to understand how does the world work? How does this thing called life happen in the way that we're seeing it unfold before us? And so, um, yeah, so that's, those are just two quotes that I really, I also think that a dramaturg is somebody who so much of our work is about the excavation of truth, mm -hmm. right? And so I love the quote um, by James Baldwin, right? Who talks about, you know, it is our duty to face history with eyes open, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like that's part of my motivating. Like when I go into spaces, it's like, that's part of my job is to excavate truth, right? As I understand it, or as we understand it, or as this moment, right, understands it. Mm, I love that. I love that. That's beautiful. Mm. Okay, so favorite three playwrights? Uh, this is also a really hard one, but I'm just going to go in this moment. Um, I'm really uh, loving uh, Dominique Morso. I'm really loving the work of Lynn Nottage and I'm really loving the work of Katori Hall. I'm just like mm. so excited to go see um, Hot Wine King. Um, Me too. I just read this in, in my class and it's just, um, I don't know, the work that they're excavating right now about the Black experience, about Black female liberation is just, um, it is really talking to me right now. And so um, right now I'm just kind of like in that, in that world. So, so mm. at this moment, but who knows next time. Mm. Did you hear the interview with Lynn Nottage from on the subtext, the American no. theater podcast? No. Oh yeah. He does. Brian does a wonderful interview with Ooh. Lynn Nottage. Okay. Oh, it's so fantastic. And I, I don't know if you're watching it, but Pussy Valley is one of my favorite oh, shows. Like, yes. Oh my Down God. In the valley where the what? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying, right? These are three artists who are really talking about really excavating what it means to be alive in lots of different points, right? In, in our world. And I am here for it. Yes. Yes. Love those. Yay. And then three dramaturgs or new play artists that are favorites. Um, so I'm going to say, and so one of them is not a new play artist, but there's someone who is making new work that I really love and appreciate. So uh, that goes to Sheree Moraga that I, you know, this, mm. she's a longtime artist, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the work that she's still making, right, is like cutting edge and really helping us to see and see anew. Mm -hmm. um, I think Liana Keys, right, is also a really great, like, um, she wrote a play called Dr. Voyage, right, which is, uh, and her children, which is kind of a, uh, a kind of riff or conversation with um, uh, Mother Courage, right? Mm -hmm. um, but thinking about, and she wrote this play, I think two years ago, and it is in, in the anthology, but thinking about what happens when abortion is no longer legal, right? And like, what, mm -hmm. how does that work uh, kind of thing? So really prophetic kind of uh, work and, and visionary playwright. And then Sharifa Yasmin, is also like um, a playwright that I also adore, right? And is really thinking about, you know, people in context that we wouldn't normally imagine, right? Um, thinking about, you know, what it means to be trans in a Southern kind of experience, in a very rural Southern, right, type of space. What does homecoming mean in these kinds of contexts? So um, these are three uh, fabulous uh, playwrights that I'm just, uh, I'm digging on right now. Yeah. Love it. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
What do you think that, you know, I think we've talked about this, but um, what do you think the American th- theater needs now from new play dramaturgs? Like if there's one really big thing that you would put your finger on, there may be a So, few. okay, I, I actually feel, and, and we've kind of talked about this already. Um, I actually think the question should be reversed. It's mm. what do new new play dramaturgs need from the American theater? Right? Oh, snaps. Um, right? Because, because, and I think it's a lot. <laughs> right? Um, I think one of it is is just the respect, right? Mm. I think the other is to be paid, right? Mm. Um, I think the other is to really understand the urgency, right, of having these amazing artists inside of the rooms. And I think, you know, your what you're what you were talking about earlier that like I'm putting dramaturgs everywhere, right? I think that the American theater needs to be doing the same thing. Right. So to me, I feel like we need to be asking from them. Right. Mm. And the ways that they need to be rethinking, reimagining, I don't know, um, their relationship to the work that they're making mm-hmm. and the work that they're producing. And what the hell does that mean if you don't have a dramaturg inside of the room? Mm. Yes to all of that. Mm. And then best advice for new play artists, new play dramaturgs. Um, I think I would say, I think I would say to not try to fit the mold of what you think a dramaturg is supposed to be. Our field, it's hard to say like, oh, it's a sort of new field, but it's not really a new, it's not. They had dramaturgs or this kind of writing, even, you know, the Egyptians, right, had this, thinking about their parades and celebrations and things like that. So it's an extremely old field, right? And I feel like there's been a more or less singular idea of like what a dramaturg is like Fornes was talking about, right. Or how Mm -hmm. a a dramaturg works or functions. And I think the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. Right. So my thing is, you know, I wouldn't try to be like somebody else. I would be the dramaturg that I'm supposed to be in this world. And maybe that's a new play dramaturg. Maybe that's a production dramaturg. Maybe that's a community relations dramaturg. Maybe it's something we haven't even heard of or have a title for yet. Mm -hmm. But to me, the field hasn't been excavated enough, right? Mm -hmm. To say, oh, you should do this or you should do that. There's a million different pathways to becoming a dramaturg, right? And so to me, we need all of that diversity. We need all of that difference. We need all of these beautiful thinking, feeling people to be inside of these rooms in the, in the very unique ways that only they can. Right. And so to me, it would be to discover the dramaturg that you're supposed to be Mm. and to not stop discovering who that person is. Mm. That is fantastic advice. And I think artists who are trying to uh, compare or be like someone else. Encourage you to not be yourself fully. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking the other day. Someone had asked, like, "How did you get to be this place that you are in?" And it's like, I don't know. I just always followed my passion. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like oh, I'm interested in this. I might want to do that. I want to live in this kind of place. I'm interested in you know all yeah. kinds of different things. And they make me a really good dramaturg. 
mm-hmm. right? Um, for the places where I'm supposed to contribute, yeah. right? I'm not supposed to contribute everywhere as a dramaturg, but the places that I'm supposed to, I'm like uniquely matched, right? To do that particular work or to make those kinds of contributions. So to me, it's like, follow your instinct because I think we can never develop our instinct enough, right? And so I, and I think that's such an important skill, right? Of a dramaturg is to be able to be in touch with that inner instinct, that inner artist. Um, and so I would just say, become the best dramaturg that that you can be or the one that you're supposed to become explore everything in life right because that's what we're bringing into the room the more we explore about life the more we have to contribute to the rooms that we're going to be in mm. that's an, that's incredible advice so you know to be a really well-rounded theater artist and especially dramaturg you need to go live your life you know, yes. don't just spend all your time rehearsing and being in a theater. Oh my goodness. Do lots of different things and don't let anyone stop you from trying something new, right? Don't let Get out there. anyone, because first of all, they probably don't even know what a dramaturg is, right? So you can define what that is for you, right? And how you want to contribute or feel like you can best contribute. Maybe it's bringing in several dramaturgs and they all are contributing in all of these different kinds of ways. I mean, why do we need just one dramaturg in the room? Mm-hmm. Right. We, we need a room that's boiling over with ideas. And so that happens when we bring people who have, you know, have something to offer into the space. And so I say, don't let's not limit ourselves and what our contributions can be, because I think the dramaturg is really suited to be able to um, to be able to be that visionary who casts that wide net who builds that bridge between the work and the world in ways that we just haven't thought about yet, but that will penetrate the heart in ways that no other kind of work can do. (laughs) Well, I think that's a good place to stop. (laughs) I think that's a beautiful place. I, um, I think that's, that's a wonderful place. And, um, where can, where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can connect with me on Instagram at a far Schiller. You can connect with me at my website. That's a lot of where a lot of people find me at Angela Schiller.com. Awesome. Keep it simple. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Angela, for of joining course, us. It is such course, an honor to have course. you, my dear friend. Yes. <laughs> Y'all, I'm your host, Amber Bradshaw, and I will chat with you next time. Thank you. Bye. You just listened to an episode of Table Work, How Plays Get Made with Amber Bradshaw. A very special thank you to WTP member Minka Wiltz for our intro theme and vocals. Cup of C designs for our show graphic. And you, thank you for listening. Tablework is a podcast brought to you by Working Title Playwrights. If you like what you heard today, you can be a part of it. Support this podcast and all our initiatives by leaving us a review, following us, and consider making a tax-deductible donation to Working Title Playwrights at www.workingtitleplaywrights.com. Tablework.